Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Hadass Kuznets with Philly's celebrity chef Jose Garces. He is one of just seven iron chefs on the planet, as you like to say. Yeah, Welcome. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks for having me. And he is a restaurateur of 13 restaurants in three states. We just counted them, and that's accurate. Yeah, yes. 13, 13 restaurants. So happy Memorial Day weekend. Summer is coming, and that means it's grilling season. So we're going to start off with that. What should we buy at the grocery store as we prepare for Memorial Day weekend? So, you know, I think grilling to me really means not cooking over a gas grill, unfortunately, in my, in my, to my estimation. It's really cooking over hardwood, charcoal, and that's really where you get the flavor. And so for me, if I'm grilling, it starts with good quality hardwood charcoal because, you know, not every charcoal is also made the same. You know, some of the, those like briquettes, these things like totally smoked out the whole neighborhood. <laughs> they were not good quality. So, so what makes for a good charcoal? Good charcoal is when you see like hardwood, it actually is pieces of wood that have been kind of petrified in, in a way in which they create embers. And so I always go for actual hardwood charcoal versus charcoal briquettes. You know, grilling is to me is about the flavor that is imparted by that charcoal. Reminds me of the way like wine picks up flavor from the barrel. Yeah. And I think, you know, the more I've been grilling and I've been grilling, gosh, for over 30 years, the more I grill, the more I appreciate kind of the slow, long cooking process. And especially, you know, so I have a, I have a big green egg. I'm a big green egg fan. I've had it for probably about 10 years now and just love the way it contains the heat. It has, it's a ceramic, uh, basically like almost like a ceramic bowl. And lately I've been doing a lot of smoking on the green egg. So long cook times. So just recently I had a family wedding. I was hosting about 10 people in my house. And I <laughs> To be a relative of yours, that's a that's a real treat. Oh, yeah. no, you're, you're in charge of the food at yeah, my wedding. I mean, listen, and I was totally up for the challenge, psyched to entertain and host, but I had a plan. And this is part of like part of grilling and, and kind of preparing and, and feeding people is you got to have a plan. You got to walk in with some semblance of, okay, I'm going to feed a bunch of people and it's going to be delicious. And here's my plan. And my So before you go to the grocery store, you got to write out what you plan to do. You, you know, you got to write it out. You got to mentally block it, whatever you need to do to just have some sort of strategy going into it. It can't be, I'm not a guy who's just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to go grill some steaks or whatever. It, it really, I, I like to like strategize and plan. And I was kind of really thinking about this one for a while. Well, this is a wedding. Yeah. A wedding. You're coming in, you're coming into my house, your family, and that's fine. But Still, like, there's an expectation level of what's going to be served at the Garces family household. So there was a three-day stay in my home, and I knew that, you know, we've, I've got hungry people. I've got hungry family members. So what I did was I devised a plan. 
in which I would do slow cooking in the green egg over charcoal, some like kind of tougher cuts of meat. So we built a nice fire with hardwood charcoal. I had planned, I bought a a whole beef brisket, uh, I bought a whole pork butt, and I bought three chickens. And brined all of them, did a dry rub on all of them, and had kind of a wet marinade as well that went on top of that. And I started the fire at about 11 o'clock at night, and by... 11.30, 11.45, 11.30, 11.45, it was ready. Meaning I, w- I had my cavity smoking at about 210 degrees, 215 degrees. And I put my brisket and pork butt on and I set the clock. And I set the clock. The pork butt takes about eight hours. So I was already up. I went, I got up first thing in the morning, checked the status and did some wrapping. Cause you, I don't, you know, once you get to a certain point with the smoke, you don't want it to continue to smoke, but had these woke up just like Christmas. I was like, oh my God, these things are just beautiful. And they're just so delicious and juicy. The beautiful thing about the green egg is really its ability, as I said earlier, to maintain heat for long periods of time, just by controlling the vents on the bottom and at the top, you can regulate the heat. And so I was able to keep the cavity about, again, anywhere from, it's it fluctuates between 200 and 215. And when I got there in the morning, I was just so ecstatic that it didn't spike up or didn't char. It was just so perfect and juicy. Put my so you ch- went to sleep, let to them, sleep. you're not afraid of the fire going out or anything? I'm not because I've done this before. <laughs> And so you We're have, not all professionals like you. Oh, well, it's okay. Well, I'm give, this is why I'm on. I want I want I'm here to teach. So, how do you come up with the idea? What's the menu? What what are we writing down? What are So, yeah. the main piece is you're feeding people for a couple days. And so, I have beautifully smoked meats that in the morning, I don't I'm not doing anything at night. I'm sleeping. They're working for me. I wake up, my meats are ready, and then once you have your smoked meats, it's really about adding veggies and starches to those meats so you can craft a nice lunch, you can craft a nice dinner, and it's just all, you know, the flavor that's imparted from those meats just carries the day. So whether you're doing grilled asparagus or broccoli with rice or, you know, grilled corn, black beans, these are some of the things I had. I had little peanut potatoes that I uh, slow boiled and then crisped on the the griddle. Those things are just, they're actors in this play, so. They're the supporting actors. That's it, supporting actors. So you go, you pick. For how do you choose your meats? I have the good fortune of I. I can go through our suppliers and vendors and 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 look at look for. Um, you saying go to a good butcher? Go to a good butcher. Yes, go to a good butcher. And you know, again, like the brisket, there's several different cuts that you can get. I like what I call what's called just a butcher's cut on the brisket, and it's a nice big. It's got a small thin fat cap. On one side, and the other side has some larger fat, which I tend to trim off. And then I usually do a bone-in pork butt because it just has a little more flavor with the bone in in it. And it kind of helps keep the pork butt intact when you're cooking for uh, long periods of time. And then I always go with just organic chickens. You know, look look to see some local producers, et cetera. Just, you know, really fresh organic chickens. And that's kind of like, that's it. It's not... You know, it's really not rocket science. Find a good butcher that you trust and get the best quality that you can. What are the best types of cuts to get for a slow-cooked barbecue? So for a slow-cooked barbecue, I think leg of lamb is good. Bone-in pork shoulder I like. The brisket I like. Just any kind of like tough cuts that you're going, like like long ribs are, are also uh, an easy target. I've done some whole hogs, but my whole hog cooking 
has been in a cajachina. So a cajachina is uh, translates to a china box. It's a, it's a it's a wooden roasting box with a metal liner. Not everybody has that in not their house in their backyard. Not everybody has it, but listen. So that's a and you're uh, known for doing the whole pig. Yeah, so the whole pig tradition is a Cuban-inspired tradition that happens typically on Christmas Eve. And so it's something I've been doing for for a long time during that holiday period. But a cajachina is, again, kind of – it's a special roasting vessel, but it it provides so much drama and uh, entertainment. The pageantry around, like, brining and roasting this whole hog, and then then it's, you know, it's a long, long period. That's a lot of people, though. That's a lot. Well, it depends. You know, I think you can get a 30 pound hog. So if a, a rule of thumb is for all meat, for all. No, for whole whole hogs, for every person you want a pound. So meaning if you're serving 30 people, you're going to uh, buy a 30 pound pig. So the yield is about 50 percent. So most people aren't going to eat more than eight ounces of pulled meat. So that is my rule of thumb on whole animals or definitely whole hogs. So what about shorter time periods? If you're going down the shore and you don't have a lot of time and you're, you've got your grill in your Airbnb. Yes. So in that case, flavorful cuts that don't require like a long marinade or brine, just the quick, quick marinades, quick brines or quick dry rubs will work. I'm a big like sausage person. I love good quality pork, Italian, mild, hot chorizo, like these kind of like small grilling pieces. And not every, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know what it is. I think because I grew up in Chicago, I'm like a sausage person. There's, there's, it was like in my blood, but that's a quick, delicious, flavorful bite of food that can go with veggies, peppers and onions on a hoagie roll, et cetera. It just could be uh, so good. And then obviously there's the easy ones like, well, you know, let's talk about the chicken because that's it. That's also. And let's talk about the chicken. Let's talk about it. Let's you know, it. I think getting a whole chicken and breaking it down and leaving it on the bone and grilling it slow, but not, you know, it's not, it's not a long process. You want to break it down before you put it on the grill. You want to break it down. You want to marinate the pieces and then you want to cook it at high heat to start and then put it off to the side in a, in a lower part in like kind of a um, lesser heat area and just let it roast. And you'll get something really flavorful and delicious. That's not hard. What's in your marinades and your dry rubs that you would recommend? Oh, well, dry rubs usually contain obviously a lot of spice. So it could be an example. It could be cumin, chipotle powder, coriander seed, fennel seed, salt, black pepper, onion powder, garlic powder, all of these various spices. To me, it is classified as an adobo, a dry adobo. And then a wet adobo usually contains a lot of these spices, but in a wet form and it has vinegar. It might have cider vinegar or white wine vinegar. It could have chipotles that are also in adobo that are ground down that surprise to add some heat. I I love a little more spicy marinade, something to just add a little more flavor to the mix. But those are an example of a dry and a wet, and I use those. I interchange them pretty frequently. I like a drier rub on like the thicker cuts of meat, the long cooking times, because it tends to impart more flavor over time. And if I'm doing a quick grilling application, I feel like a wet marinade just provides a little more flavor boost right from the get-go. What do you use for a brine? you have a brine? Yeah. Like let it sit there for a little while? Sure. So no, brines are one of these things that I think can be intimidating and, and they really shouldn't. A brine that I like to, a simple one is a salt, sugar, and water brine. So equal parts 
salt and sugar and just water and the product is submerged in that in that liquid. And what does that do? Well, it gives you a more moist or juicy product because you're kind of soaking it, right? You're getting some water into it. But the salt also helps remove some impurities. So if you have, let's say, for instance, maybe a pork chop or a pork loin, that might help pull some of that barnyard smell that it sometimes is included in a in a cut like that. So brines can go many ways too. I mean, you can have not only the, the, the simple one that I described, but you can add vinegars to it, such as cider, white wine, red wine vinegars, peppercorns, spice. You really, whatever flavor you want to impart into that protein is okay. It's wide open. But the most important thing is that when you're talking about a brine is that the product is fully submerged in a liquid that's imparting flavor, and that also has enough salt to kind of pure out the, pull out the impurities. Are we talking about an overnight submerging here, or how long do you like to leave it in the brine? Yeah, a brine is, should be at least 24 hours. At least give it a good amount to kind of do some curing and removal of impurities, but also impart flavor. Let's briefly talk about the, the side actors here, the sides that you could um, suggest and then we'll move on to summertime down the shore. Yeah. So side actors. I like to keep this part really simple because I, I get all my flavor on, on kind of the stars. But the supporting actors, I really, I like to use just, you know, a lot of like garlic and lemon juice and olive oil and just really let those seasonal vegetables shine through. And, you know, in this case... We're coming up on summer. We're at the end of spring. You know, good asparagus. Corn will be coming in relatively soon. Tomatoes are a great summertime item. I, I like those. I just love to just like slice. Like if I have, if I'll find some great heirloom tomatoes, just slice olive oil, fresh basil, really nice and light. I love summer lettuces as well. And really just giving those kind of a, a quick toss. I've always used a ton of herbs in my cooking. So chive, basil, cilantro, parsley, rosemary, thyme. Like I love to incorporate those into kind of the, what we call our, the side actors, the supporters. What's the best way to cook corn? Best way to cook corn? Oh, there's, there's so many. That's such a a great ingredient that has so many applications and feeds so many people. I think if you can find good organic sweet white corn, I don't think there's anything better than that. I like to cook corn. You know, again, if it's a sweet white corn in the summer, like charring it on the grill is perfect. With the shuck, is that a fire hazard or you leave it on, take it off? I clean it. I get a little char char flavor on it. I shuck it, grill it, put a little bit of oil on it or, you know, put a little butter on it, grill it. And then I might have it like esquite style, which is kind of a lime mayo and queso fresco and some pico, which is a uh, Mexican spice. So that's really, you know, again, like more Mexico City street style corn. What's the best way to avoid going up in flames at your grill? The best, <laughs> the best way avoid. To we got av- some beginners listener listening. Yeah, yeah. The best way to avoid is be aware of the heat source. Be aware of how hot the grill can get. I mean, not everybody's used to cooking over fire. So if your fire is built and it's really high on the like close to the grill grates, you you could very easily burn everything to a cinder. So you want to just be very conscious of it. Like your fire is actually like such a key part of this. So create different zones. So create a hot zone, a cool zone where once you're done like charring things, you can like let them like almost slow roast. So I think really managing your fire and creating these zones is a key essential part in grilling. 
I'd love to see how your grill looks when you're managing a big group. Yeah, no. Um, gosh. Is it, like, is it like, you know, do you move the charcoal over? Do you kind of push things around? I don't touch. Like once I've built my fire, I've already distinguished where my cool side is going to be, where my hot side is going to be, and where kind of like my medium cooking is going to be. So I'm, I've already kind of set in place like my burners and their various power and strength. And so I'll always start with the heavy proteins. If I'm doing not a long cook process, but like a grill and eat process is what is what I would call. So I'll start by grilling protein, putting them in the cool side. And then I may start then cooking the veg, putting them like on the medium to low side as well. Everything eventually gets pushed off to the sides and that, that hot spot is just kind of roasting or warming the areas. Yeah, it's a, it's a process. All right, so you're going down the shore this summer because you've got four restaurants still. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. People have heard of, I don't want to call it the bankruptcy. It's the, what do you call it? I call it the filing. It was a filing (laughs) that took place. And uh, Phyllis, and where are you at now? What's going on? What happened? Where are you now? You're still around, obviously. Still around, never left, have always been here. Right. And, you know, it was a very valuable learning lesson, one that was tough to swallow. I've got pride. For sure. But one that, you know, humbly I can look back on and say, you know, I, I learned a lot. I grew a lot as a, not only a chef, but as a business person. And uh, at the end of the day. Too much, too fast? Uh, I mean, I think that we had, we had a few events that really hurt our business, like in any business. So when we had expanded into Atlantic City, we were in a casino called Revel, two and a half billion dollar asset, our restaurants, despite what was happening on the casino gaming floor and in the hotel were performing amazingly. And I built the company around those for restaurants, which were providing a good amount of EBITDA for the company. And I felt like really secure, like, okay, we've got a really good thing going here. There's no way. And we were in operations for two years. We've been successful. Let's continue to grow. So I started building pipeline and opportunity around not only those restaurants, but the success we're having in Philadelphia. And one day, you know, we get a phone call that the hotel and casino is shutting down. So I'm sitting there like, okay, um, that's going to be really tough, tough to swallow. And, you know, that my team and I get together, we come up with a strategy to combat, downsize, but overcome that adversity. And so we decide to open, make a bet to open in New York, which was also a very challenging situation for us. So we kind of doubled down in New York and that event, the outcome was not the way we planned. And so those two main events really cause uh, a lot of financial stress on our business. You had too many eggs in one casino. Too many eggs in one casino. So, you know, that those things occur. And so we go into a sale process and Host one, we had really good bidders. And a kid from Chicago, from Ecuadorian parents, I grew this thing from the ground up. We had it, you know, 1.20 plus restaurants, $42 million in top line sales. $42 was, million. Dollars. I was feeling pretty good about, wow. about myself and about my accomplishments. So $42 million in sales, Jose. That's from, amazing. From, from zero. Yeah. Us. We, I opened Amada in 2005 with uh, an SBA loan and two private, small private equity uh, investors and grew our business from that point forward. And so I'm not afraid to. Uh, 
you're still in the game. You're not out. You're not down and out. 100%. No, it's actually the result was we came to an agreement with a group out of Louisiana who really loves the brand, loves what we've done, has really come in and upright the business and has invested in it and wants to continue to see it grow. And in many ways, they're handling all of the back end office administration and business administration. And I'm, and I can focus on the food and hospitality and things that I do really well, which is a place I wanted to be in this whole time. What advice would you give to other business owners? I would say that one of the things that I think would hurt us was maybe being less strategic. So we should have been a little more strategic with our growth and, and probably less opportunistic where there was opportunity that maybe looked really good on the surface. But when you kind of dug down a little bit, you know, that opportunity wasn't wasn't as good. Jose, you need to plan your business the way you plan your barbecues. <laughs> well, that's definitely happening uh, these days, Hadass. You're still turning, I'm sure, in the millions. Yeah. And we're doing just fine. Yeah. And it's exciting, again, to be here after all of that and feel like we have really great opportunity going forward. Just having all the lessons that we've learned, but also having many years of food knowledge and food experience with me as well. So I was going to list out here in Philly, you've got Old Bar, Amada, Volver, Tinto, Village Whiskey, JG Domestic Distrito. In New Jersey, you're starting up the summer season alone, Okachi, Amada, and Distrito, Tropicana, and Ocean, which is the former Revel. That's right. So are you getting ready to like spend a summer down the shore to make sure that these restaurants are doing all right? Because that's when people really are going to be eating there. Yeah, I mean, this is our primetime season, so I'll be doing my regular visits down to both properties. It's exciting, you know, on, on many levels. So both properties have their own uniqueness, their own charm, and certainly scream, you know, summertime down the shore, which I, I love that. You know, I've been going down to Cape May, Avalon, Stone Harbor, Atlantic City for several several years. I say I'm a native Chicagoan, but in many ways I'm, you know, Philadelphia is definitely my adopted hometown. I've lived here 18 years, love Philly, love what it's done for my career, love the support that I've had throughout the years, love my customers who have been here with me through thick and thin. And going down to AC is a, is very much a home game for us. I've always said that because we've had so much good support from our local Philadelphians who summer down there. So I love being down there. How is being a shore restaurateur different than being a city restaurateur? It's definitely seasonal, right? So the shore season really picks up uh, starting this weekend and then goes all the way through the end of Labor Day. And it's pretty compact and like busy and just high demand, high volume, quick turnaround. And whereas in the city, you know, our season goes from, you know, the end of labor, from Labor Day through Memorial Day. And so we get a little slow down here in the summer. So they're picking up the slack down the shore for you. They're picking it up. And the yeah. The flavor is different. The Summertime f- flavors. You know, I think one of the things we did at Alone, which I'm really proud of so this year, I, I love kind of these the kind of shore platters that you get down there. So great seafood great meats. And then kind of with like, you know, the way we're doing it right now is like you get, pick your salad, you can pick your sides, but you're getting this beautiful platter of like delicious food all in one shot. And it's just kind of how I want to eat when I'm, when I'm down the shore. And so we put this new program in it alone. Alone is my Latin 
coastal seafood restaurant. I feel like anytime you visit the shore, whether it be New Jersey or anywhere, you just you gotta you gotta eat seafood. And at Alone, we got a great raw bar, little neck clams, tons of oysters, seafood cocktails, and I have this ceviche and tiradito section, which again, it's a you know, inspired by Ecuador and Peru. And again, there's what I love about this menu is you've got raw and you've got kind of Americana seafood cocktails, but then you have this like kind of South American twist on those great proteins and seafood. So yeah, go go and check it out. So even though you are spending your summer down the shore, you are also opening a new suburban restaurant in Bucks County this summer. That's right. That's right. So I'm opening Stella by Jose Garces, and it's in Bucks County. It's in New Hope. And I'm so excited about this project. That's in, also a good summer place to open. Well, New Hope is a very like... Summery. Yeah. Yeah, it's summery. Outdoor. It's fun. It's... It's visited quite a bit in the summertime. It's close to your, you have a, have you have a, a farm. I have a farm in Ottsville, Pennsylvania, which if you haven't been there, it's, uh, Ottsville is such a, it's such a slice of heaven. I, re- I really enjoy being out there. I used to go to summer camp in Ottsville. I didn't realize your Lake, farm. Lake, Lake Nakamixon? No, um, Camp Galil. I didn't realize oh, okay. that your farm was Ottsville, Pennsylvania. Ottsville, yeah. You're going to add farmer to your resume. I, it's on there. Are you kidding me? I, I, you know, I think the whole experience, the farm experience, has been one in which I've learned so much about food and how hard it is to grow food. I've like it's such a big respect for farmers and what they do. And I also came to understand how underappreciated the growth of food and, and what it takes for food to come to the grocery store. It's really it's hard work. It's hard work. But not only that, it's not like the economics don't add up. You know, yeah. that carrot that that you're eating or you're buying is not what it costs. It costs a lot more to, to That's really. That's why they have subsidies for farmers. Yeah. Yeah, and it's still, you know, I think the small organic farm that's that's growing is just so challenged. And, I, you know, I went through it. I went through several years of trying to figure out, okay, how can I make this work? Even with a, even with a, you know, a built-in market. How did you learn your, like, this is a business model that people need to learn. Like, where do you learn this stuff? <laughs> you just learn on the job? Yeah, I mean, I think the farming piece, I had, I had a few farmers that were with me that, you know, did most of the farming. And but the farming business was kind of on me, blood, sweat, and tears. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> painful lessons when you're dealing with crops and you're dealing with all the different variables. Call it pests, environment, weather, bumper crops, all of these different things. It's just it. It is. Uh, yeah, can be challenging, and I was certainly challenged, but loved it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. I found that my food in Bucks County that I was growing was better than most food that I was getting from, you know, California or Mexico or wherever they were shipping in from. Of course. It, because it was so fresh? Because it was so fresh. It really ties back into like the, the local growers, the artisans. The part that I'm trying to get to is that it just takes time to really do this kind of farm to table thing the right way. It's Great to see you having fun, still enjoying food, still enjoying the creative process that goes with being a chef. It is the most rewarding and will continue to be for some time. We're, you know, as chefs, as culinarians, you're always learning. And that's, you know, when whenever I give someone advice, it's like always stay humble and keep learning because it's, uh, I don't know, for me, it's what, what drives me. 
Where do you want to tell people that they can get more information? They could go to garcisgroup.org and check us out. You'll get more information on the restaurants, on what we're doing, our team, our opportunities. We are looking for good people to join our team. As you can imagine, with all the various restaurants and the different things that are happening, food, we're looking for great hospitality folks, people who want to learn, people who are passionate about what they do. So yeah, come join our team. And they can reach out on social, right? They're very responsive. Absolutely. I'm very responsive on Instagram. So at Chef Jose Garces, check me out, follow me. It's, uh, I have a good time with it. All right, Jose Garces, thank you so much and have a great summer. Thank you, Adas. See you, uh, maybe see you on Labor Day. We'll see how it goes, or if not sooner. Uh, hopefully sooner. <laughs> hopefully sooner. Happy, uh, happy grilling to you. Happy too. grilling to you. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.